Good afternoon. I'm John Falcicchio, the Acting Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and I want to welcome you to this week's uh, uh, District Economic Recovery Team uh, weekly check-in. I'm joined uh, today uh, by Christy Whitfield, the Director of the Department of Small Local Business Development, uh, and we're also joined by a number of guests, uh, including uh, Michelle from the Department of uh, Insurance, Securities, and Banking. Uh, Michelle leads the Office of Financial Empowerment and Education. Uh, so we'll hear from her as well as uh, David uh, from the Economic uh, Development, who's an Economic Development uh, Specialist at the Small Business Administration. Uh, so we'll get started with our guests in a moment. Uh, but first up, I want to uh, ask my colleague, uh, Christy, uh, to tell us a little bit about what the department's been doing lately and introduce uh, our first two guests. Uh, thank you, Deputy Mayor. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. We are uh, we are excited for another interesting conversation here on the uh, the DIRT weekly check-in. Um, so here at, at DSLBD, the, the team stays ever busy in these changing moments and times during this coronavirus pandemic. You know, we've been excited to, to work with the small business community. Um, I think a couple of updates that we want to say is over the past um, month or so, we have actually reached out um, to every CBE that's registered in the district and really just as a wellness check-in to talk with them and say, how are you doing? What are you needing? How are, you know, how are you handling this pandemic? To try and hear firsthand. And also we, we had heard from a lot of people that they were stuck in phone trees as they were asking for help and we wanted them to hear from a live voice that DSLBG was there to help and to help shepherd them through some of the resources that we're gonna hear about today, like the PPP, which we know is still open, we're excited about. Um, we were interested to hear that more than half of our CVEs had applied and about 40% had uh, been received the PPP. Um, we also are working with our, our main streets, you know, under the leadership of Deputy Mayor and the Mayor, we're excited to distribute over three and a half million masks to businesses that had opened during phase two, phase one. Um, and we are also uh, have an ongoing Build Back Better series because we know that this, we know, oh, sorry, just here, sorry. <laughs> we know that, we know that these, these times are changing regularly and we know that, that businesses have questions. And the Build Back Better series is DSLVD's way of making sure that when business owners have questions that they want to look at the middle of the night and click somewhere and have a answer, you know, we've got the Build Back Better series where we're bringing on experts and other peers that might help them think through some of these questions that you're thinking through in the middle of the night. How might I pivot? Should I consider other types of economic tools like bankruptcy? Should I be looking at you know, renegotiating my lease. So I really encourage people to check out our Build Back Better series. So DSLBD is here for you, dslbd.dc.gov, and we are anxiously at the other end of the line, 727-3900, um, press three, and you will 
either get a live voice or a quick callback. So thank you, Deputy Mayor. Great. Thank you, Christy, for that update. I want to bring in another one of our guests who's joining us virtually, uh, and that's David at the uh, Small Business Administration. Uh, David, wanted to get an update from you about the uh, assistance programs that uh, the SBA has uh, during this COVID pandemic. Uh, as we talk about our response, we also want to make sure that we're also keenly focused on the recovery. Uh, so, David, love to bring in to talk about uh, where we are with economic injury disaster loans, as well as the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, uh, both of which have gotten a lot of attention in recent weeks. Uh, so, David, I'll turn it over to you. Looks like you're coming to us live from the SBA. Is that right? Yes, uh, we're partly back in the office, uh, you know, skeleton crew. I'm, I'm all by my lonesome here today. Um, okay, so the EIDL, the EIDL advances and or grants, however you know them, that has been depleted, that fund. Um, and so that's only going to get replenished if Congress does something about it. So we're all remembering ninth grade civics. Congress is in charge of everything. Uh, the economic injury disaster loans, however, are still going. You can still apply for them. Uh, they're open for uh, agricultural as well as non-agricultural businesses. They're all the usual ones. Um, so you should apply if you have not yet applied. If you have already applied and it's been taking a while, don't reapply. That will just make things uh, it'll muck up the works, right? It'll, it'll slow things down and it'll confuse things. Don't do that. The PVP is still going until August 8th. You can apply. There have been changes to it. No longer is the threshold for forgiveness uh, having 75% uh, of it used for payroll. Now it's 60% and 40% for um, operating expenses. There are differences uh, in what the PVP and the IDLE are intended for. Um, the PVP, it's all in the name, Paycheck Protection Program. If you have more questions at the end of this, we can talk about it. Uh, you can ask me. Um, that's the real news. There are a couple of other debt relief or rather financial assistance programs. One of them is SBA debt relief. That means if you already have an SBA loan, you should be getting some sort of relief from either the lender um, setting that up. If you already have a direct loan from the SBA, say another one, there's debt relief available uh, for that so you don't have to make payments for a certain period of time. As well, any SBA guaranteed loans that are made before September 27th of this year, or dispersed by the September 27th of this year, uh, the SBA is going to pay the principal, interest, and fees for the first six months. Right. So that's the SBA. That's the other SBA debt relief um, or financial assistance program during this pandemic. And lastly, there's the SBA uh, bridge loan program. Uh, if you already have a business relationship with an SBA lender you can have a fast turnaround time uh, for up to $25,000 loan. Um, the purpose or the way to work it is you get that $25,000 loan as a bridge loan, and then you apply for the economic injury disaster loan, and then you use the EIDL to pay off the bridge loan. But the bridge loan should happen quickly since you already have a relationship with an SBA lender. So broadly speaking, those are the four uh, SBA COVID-19 relief programs that you see, and they're all explained there on the link that I gave Tatiana to share with everyone, and so they're all there. Um, that's basically it. That's what's going on with the, uh, the IDLE and the PVP. And uh, David, we're going to open it up uh, later in the call for questions from uh, business owners uh, and other interested parties, so we hope that you'll stick with us uh, for that. 
so there's people who are yep. watching us on 16. There's other folks who are watching on the stream, and then there's still others listening on the phone. So if folks are on the phone and have a question uh, for David or any of our panelists, you can get into the queue uh, by pressing zero. Uh, so we'll ask folks to do that uh, now and get into that queue. Uh, and really uh, want to thank you for joining us. I know there's been a lot of uh, uh, questions this week about the economic injury disaster loans. Could you tell us, too, because it seems like it may have closed out or it didn't close out. Can you just walk us through what uh, the change was this week or what happened this week? The only change is that we ran out of money on the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Grant, or ADVANCE, as it was known on the webpage. So that was the one that was up to $10,000, so $1,000 per employee or $1,000 for the employed or self-employed person for a, for a sole proprietorship. So that money has run out. There was $20 billion, and um, it's gone. Um, so no more idle advances or idle grants, because that's what they were effectively. But the disaster loans program is still going. There's still money in that program. So you can continue to apply. That's really the change that was, that, uh, was uh, announced uh, through a news release. Got it. And I know we're uh, anxious to see that Congress come back and act. We uh, in the district have uh, a request uh, to be made whole from the direct aid that states got uh, during the CARES Act, uh, where D.C. was treated as a territory. Um, and we hope that they'll be treated as, treated as a state, like we are, in uh, every emergency response and recovery function, uh, and really kind of address uh, the injustice that we saw in the CARES Act. Uh, where we were received $490 million, which we've used uh, for our response effort, and we really need to see the rest of the $750 million uh, from the Congress in order for us to continue our response effort, but also to look towards our recovery as well. So as uh, David pointed out, the uh, FBA will be looking to see if there's an extension of the grant program uh, that he talked about. Uh, we're also looking to see how Congress will uh, act to make the district whole as well. Uh, Christy, any questions for David? Um, hi, David. Uh, nice to see you again. The, uh, so, so to be clear, if you are still interested in the loan, the loan is available, but the grant is extended. Correct. So I think that, you know, we have, uh, you know, so if you are interested in the loan, and the loan, I believe, is a 30-year fixed rate loan, and can you maybe yes. review what... The, the thing that oh, uses sure. Sure. So the loan is a 30-year. Uh, it's a fixed-rate loan. It's 3.75% interest. Um, there's no prepayment penalty, and uh, oh, the first year's payments are deferred for 12 months. Interest begins accruing when the loan is dispersed, but you have no payments due for the first 12 months. So it's meant to be a loan that's relatively easy to pay because it's a working capital loan, meaning you can use it for fixed costs and expenses. You can't use it to expand the business. You can't use it to make new capital equipment purchases. You can use it for maintenance. So for example, let's say you have some sort of vehicle. Uh, you can use it for maintenance. The vehicle needs a new engine. Great. You can use it for maintenance because that would have been normal maintenance operating costs that you would have done out of the revenues that the business is earning. But you can't use it to buy a new uh, vehicle. See what I mean? So you can't use it for expansion or new things, but you can use it as a working capital loan for normal working capital, you know, sort of expenses, rent, utilities, accounts payable, uh, notes payable. You can't use it to refinance another loan, um, so, but you can make the monthly payments with it. 
but you can't if if the if the idle loan is if the idle is big enough to completely pay off a different one, you can't use it for that because that's effectively refinancing it. Can't use it for that. Uh, so working capital loan, that's what it's for. And then what's the average amount or the maximum amount that a that a business can apply for for the idle? So when you apply, you don't put in a figure that you apply for. Uh, we're going to get the application, and then we're going to determine the amount that you're uh, that you qualify for. The the maximum right now is one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars per business, and that's just because of the number of applications we've had. We we passed eight million applications a couple of weeks ago since March twelfth, which is very difficult to comprehend. But yeah, we we passed eight million applications. We've processed about five, close to five million of them so far. Um, you know, we're still at it. So to ensure that the money doesn't run out uh, before everyone, we get to everyone, they cap the loans at $150,000 right now. And about how long does it take to find out if you get the loan? Well, that is hard to predict. Uh, here's why. Uh, so. In the, when everything was really crazy, not that things aren't crazy now, but when everything was really crazy in April and uh, before the idle temporarily shut off, we were getting so backed up, we were getting slammed with a tsunami of applications. So it, for some people, it turned into 40 days from application until funding. For some people, it turned into four months. I talked to a business, well, I got an email from a business owner just today that they finally got their money earlier this week, um, and that was because of complications in their application. And here are the complications. So for those who, who are in the middle of these complications, if you're a business owner right now, this is what has caused it. And if you're going to apply because you haven't applied yet, be very careful, be very, be very attentive to the details about the application. 30% of the applications, roughly, that we have received have problems in banking information. People confuse the, the account number with the routing number. People give us the wrong name of the bank. People give us their personal checking account instead of a business checking account associated with the business. People give us the wrong name of their own business. The business is registered somewhere as um, XYZ uh, LLC. But they do business as uh, David Hincapie SBA Consulting. That's not the name of your business. When we go check the name of the business, we want to know that it's XYZ LLC. The name of your business is not the thing that's on your business cards necessarily. This might seem like a minor little detail, but if anybody was watching the hearing a week and a half ago, I guess, where the Office of Disaster Assistance Associate Administrator was, was at the Congress, he was saying this is the first time we've done positive ID checks to make sure there's no fraud. So when we do those checks, if things do not match, it stops everything. Right? Give us the right email address. We have had people who get their loans delayed for four weeks because they give us david.hincopy at yahoo.com, and then they change their mind and for some reason say, oh, wait, no, I should have given them the Gmail. Okay, great. So now you've got to call Disaster Assistance Customer Service. Keep in mind, there have been 8 million applications. There are tens of thousands of people calling that number every day. 
and you want to call them up to change your email address because you didn't get it right the first time. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Go slow, pay attention, do it right the first time so you don't have any of these interruptions later on. So things are speeding up, long answer to your question. They're slow for some if you make mistakes, but right now, 30 days from time of application until the time of funding is what you should expect. Some people have got it very fast in a week, and some people it took months. That's the best I can tell you. Thank you for that, David. And can you tell us a little bit, too, about uh, pay uh, check protection program that uh, is extended now, uh, the deadline for that program? And just tell us a little bit, too, about the specifics of what the forgiveness, the useful, allowable period of the uh, program is, and then also the percentage for forgiveness. So broadly speaking, let's start. Okay, so it's been extended to you can apply until August 8th because there were still, I think at the time they extended it a week and a half ago, there was, I think, $110 or $120 billion still left in, 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 in the pot. So they extended it so people could apply. So broadly speaking, there are four conditions that you must satisfy to get the PPP loan forgiven. So Paycheck Protection Program, did you protect paychecks? You have to keep people employed or rehire people that you had to furlough or lay off because you had no revenue because of the pandemic. That's the first thing. 60% of it has to be used for payroll. That's the second thing. Uh, you have to pay people what you were paying them before. So whatever per hour you were paying them or whatever salary or whatever number of hours they were working, right? they have to, they have to uh, stay at the same. Uh, so uh, you have to keep the same number. You have to uh, keep the same number of people employed, 60% percent for a payroll, pay the same as you were, and you have 24 weeks in which to use this. So before you had to keep them employed for eight weeks. That has been superseded by this other thing. So really, there's the three broad things. Now there are exceptions. Suppose you try to hire everybody back, but they don't want to come back. They're too afraid to come back, or um, they can't come back for the same number of hours because they have someone that they have child. I mean, this is a real problem for a lot of people now. They don't have childcare because they're home from school for the summer, and who knows if they're going to be even in school in the autumn. So you can't hire them back at their old hours, or you can't hire them back at all. Well, that's not your fault. So you act in good faith to carry out the purpose of the Paycheck Protection Program, which is protecting paychecks. Did you attempt to do this? Yes, you send them a written offer of employment. You tell them, look, I'd like to hire you back and we'll pay you what we used to pay you. Even though you can't come to work because we're shut down, we'll protect the paycheck. We'll pay you even though you can't come to work. And if they decline that, then that's not on you. You acted in good faith. You attempted to carry out the purpose of the Paycheck Protection Program, so your loan forgiveness will not be reduced. You will have the loan forgiven. Or if somebody says, yes, I will come back, but I can't work 37 hours a week anymore. I can only work 27 hours a week. They have to ask for that in writing. You document it. And then your loan will be forgiven as if uh, they were working back at their normal hours. So the key here is ask yourself the question, what is the PPP for? To protect paychecks primarily. Did I try to do that in good faith? Yes your loan will be forgiven. 
but you have to document everything. Thank you. No, that's really helpful. Um, I want to make sure we uh, come back to you because I imagine that some of the callers and viewers uh, will have some questions. Uh, if you want to give them the key mm -hmm. to ask questions of David, uh, press zero now and we'll come back to David uh, as we go through our panelists. Uh, but next up, I want to bring into the conversation uh, Michelle Hammond. Uh, Michelle works uh, in the Department of uh, Insurance, Securities, and Banking, and today she's going to present a couple of the new programs uh, that her department has about financial empowerment uh, for district residents. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, and I want to send greetings on behalf of my agency director, Acting Commissioner Karima Woods. Um, it's a pleasure to chat with everyone today. I can't see the slides, but I'm going to just ask if you can move to the next slide to give you an up, uh, understanding of what the Department of Insurance Securities and Banking does. And so we are really the regulatory agency for the District of Columbia as it relates to financial services. Our mission is threefold, is to cultivate a regulatory environment that protects consumers and attracts and retains financial services firms in the district. We empower and educate residents on financial matters, and we provide financing to district small businesses through some of our programs that we have available. So I'm really excited to share with you some of the resources that we have on this call today. As I was listening to our previous speaker, one of the things that he said was many people were having issues with understanding their routing numbers and account numbers and mixing those things up. And financial education is what's needed to really help people get through that process. And it's available to everyone, especially through the district. If we can move to the next slide. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about the Office of Financial Empowerment and Education. This is a new office that was created in the agency at the end of 2019 because we really saw the need for residents to get additional information. We have a number of programs that I will go through today, um, but this information is really important for residents to understand how to manage their personal finances. And one of the things that I do know is business owners are also individuals. So these individuals that own these businesses need some guidance and information on how to manage those personal finances and how it actually relates to their business. And so that's going to be critical whenever you are getting started with a business. So with the Office of Financial Empowerment and Education, we provide financial education and information to district residents, district employees, as well as nonprofit organizations. And we provide access to individuals with, in partnership with financial institutions. And we help to develop um, innovative financial empowerment programs all throughout the district. And I'll move to the next slide, please. Um, and I really want to talk about what is financial empowerment. And really, it's quite simple. It's mixing or adding financial education, financial empower, um, financial literacy with the access to these products, services, and tools, as well as giving people the skills to understand how to use these things. That is how you start to empower residents and individuals. If I have a person that opens up a bank account and they don't know how to manage that bank account, unfortunately what will happen, they will close out, they will overdraw their account, and many other things can happen. So mixing the actual product with the education 
that's a timely thing to provide to our residents. Some of the programs that exist currently that can be of benefit to both businesses and individuals. First, if we move to the next slide, is the Bank on DC program. This program was established in 2010. Um, you can easily access information about the program at bankondc.org, www.bankondc.org. And we provide uh, residents with products and services that allow them to maximize opportunities to build assets and to improve financial stability. And we are able to do this as a collaborative effort through district government, nonprofit organizations, and financial institutions. We really help these financial institutions connect with residents where they may need assistance and making sure that we are brokering, if you will, on behalf of our residents, the tools, the services that are useful for them, and that is what our program really focuses on. We also want to make sure that the nonprofits have the resources that they need to engage and help our residents, whether it be individuals or businesses or entrepreneurs trying to get into business, we want to make sure that we are partnering with them to give them the resources that they need and the financial education necessary to be successful in their ventures. You can move to the next slide now as I tell you a little bit more about our Financially Fit DC program. Um, this was dreamed up of, by the mayor in 2017, and we are going strong in this particular program. It's a two-part initiative. First, we created an online financial portal where individuals can go and learn about personal finances at their own pace and at their own time. Uh, what is great about this particular program, it is based on and has access and information about D.C.-specific resources, and we were very intentional when we did that. We mixed this online tool with outbound financial education, and even though we've gone through um, coronavirus and the pandemic, we are still providing financial education for various residents in the virtual world. And so we know that this information is still important, and we want to make sure we share this with everyone. Some topics that we cover in the financial empowerment, um, financially fit DC, excuse me, program are making a budget, managing credit, buying a home, a retirement, and building. We want residents to know that wealth is obtainable for everyone. It does take a bit of discipline, and it does take some consistency in savings to start to build wealth. But we want to start the conversation, whether we're talking to our young people in schools at age 99 or we're talking to our seniors at age 99. We want to make sure residents have an opportunity to understand this information and, and to move on in their future. Now, if we can move to the next slide, I also want to share with you a program that's near and dear to tomorrow's date. Tomorrow is tax day. If you have not filed for your taxes yet, you have it to July 15th to do so. Why am I really sharing this with you? Because of a program called the Earned Income Tax Credit. This program is one of the biggest poverty-relieving programs that we have um, that's available to all residents of the United States, but specifically in the District of Columbia, we have a very robust Earned Income Tax Credit, or EITC, as it's also known, program. And uh, we need people to file in order for you to 
have access to these additional funds, and this can be a large lump sum for a resident to receive, uh, you need to file for your taxes, both at the state and federal level. In order to qualify in 2019, you had to be an employee, earned income, had a small business, or a farm. You have to meet a few of the basic IRS um, rules and regulations. You know that's what the IRS does, but when you follow those rules, you can apply for the earned income tax credit. Um, this is really to help residents if you are single and you have an income of $50,000 or less. Um, this is a program that you can qualify for. If you are married, filing jointly and have a family uh, income of 55000 or less, and they will be able to assist you. So if you have not filed for taxes, please do so. This is an opportunity for you to start to get some funds that are um, available to you, and a lot of people are not taking advantage of this great credit. And if we move to the next slide, this is one of the last programs I want to share with you, and then I just want to give a few financial tips. Uh, but our DC Opportunity Account, this is a program where we have a match savings program for residents of the district to help them advance in some of the things that they want to do as we're talking about this asset building opportunity. Individuals that are interested in starting a business, going to college, they may have some medical things that they needed to take care of, um, they may have some major home repairs or they're trying to purchase a home. This is a program that can help residents have access to additional cash for being disciplined and saving. So we match, the district matches your savings. If you save $1,500, the district will um, kick in $3,000. But in addition to that, we have outside partners that will give you an additional $3,000. So for $1,500 that a resident provides or saves up, we can match it up to $6,000. So we, that's a four-to-one match. That's money that's available to you, and you have to really go after it. Um, we do have some uh, – we are looking to continue the program throughout 2020. Uh, we have some great participation in 2019, and we are working with our vendor, Capital Area Asset Builders, to make this happen. So this is some programs that are available to residents now to start to build their assets and their capacity. And then I just want to give a few tips as it relates to finances, as it relates to your personal side. One of these things is when you're thinking about how to manage your money and how to get through what we're going through now, we know it's very turbulent times. And we want to give you practical information without pointing a finger and saying you should have done this. And that's really not the case. It's really taking an assessment of where you are. Control your spending. Make sure you manage your current debt. Avoid new debt if at all possible. Uh, you want to invest in yourself. This is a time where we see a lot of people taking, uh, taking this time to maybe start that business to get some additional education or information. And this is a great time to be utilizing that. And we really want to encourage people to protect what you have. And you can go through this and a, a few other tips. And really, if you go to the, the next slide that we have, it is really take an assessment of your situation. Pause and really think, how much do you have? How much do you have coming in and going out? 
you have to get real with yourself really quickly to make sure that you are managing your finances in a great and equitable way for yourself and then also thinking about your family. You definitely need to create a budget if you haven't created one, and you want to trim the fat. How do you? How are you practical with what you're spending, where your money is going, and do you really need all the things that you needed in the past? And you have to take that upon yourself. It's a personal choice, but what is going to be most important to you? And then most importantly, I want all our residents and people to know you are not alone. We are all in this together, and we will get through it together. But you have to really reach out and talk to your creditors or your whoever you owe money to to let them know what your situation is. This is not the time to be shy and be prideful and not have a conversation with your lenders or your creditors. You want to let them know what's going on in your personal life, what's happening, and so that you can create a plan that makes the best sense for you and your situation. And so those are just some of the financial tips. Those are some of the programs that we have that are currently existing. And, of course, I'm open to any questions that you may have, Deputy Mayor. Great. Thank you so much, Michelle. I know uh, that was a lot of content, and so I guess really the biggest thing is how do folks uh, keep track of it? And I know you've got on this slide uh, a lot of resources where people can uh, check out uh, disb.dc.gov, uh, so disb.dc.gov, and then, of course, all the uh, social media as well. We'll make sure we get this information out to folks who are listening in and make sure we share it on our social media as well. So I want to thank everybody. Thank you, uh, But I want to turn to Christy uh, to get panel uh, discussion with our uh, business owners. So, Christy. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. So, we have um, three great business owners from three of our great main streets with us today. Um, and so, I'm just going to jump right in and let them introduce themselves and their businesses. Um, and I think in no particular order, but I, since, I see, uh, since I see one of our main street directors, uh, yep, I see you lurking in the background there, Bill McLeod. I'm going to... Um, Start with the DuPont Main Street uh, business, and it's Yuhan uh, from uh, Valley Brook Tea. Yuhan, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your business, and then tell us about the SBA support that you've gotten, and uh, and then talk to us about being a part of the uh, the DuPont Main Street too, if you would. Oh yeah. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Yuhan Zhang. I'm the owner of Valley Brook Tea. Uh, our business is at the corner of P Street and Twenty uh, Third Street. Northwest, so we are one block away from Dupont Circle. Uh, we are a family-owned tea store, and my family is actually the tea producer, uh, which means we supply ourselves. We first opened on February 14th this year, uh, exactly one month before the shutdown, and we have reopened on May 29th, uh, the first day of Phase 1. So far, we have received DC micro-grant and PPP loan, it helped us get through the first month of shutdown. Uh, as a new business, we actually made our rent in 13 days, and that was in February, and that was even before our business got featured in the Washington Post. So therefore, I believe our struggle now uh, has nothing to do with us being a new business. Uh, it is purely COVID-related. Uh, here in DuPont Main Street, uh, the executive director, Bill, has helped us reopen and clean up the uh, storefront because we had a homeless situation during the shutdown. 
Um, so that has been very helpful. Since the reopening, we are now doing about 10% to 20% compared to pre-COVID. And about 50% of our daily customers now are returning customers. We have not seen a meaningful increase uh, in terms of volume when we moved from phase one to phase two because our biggest challenge now is the loss of foot traffic. So here are some numbers. Last Friday, I stood in front of my door and I counted the number of people just passed uh, our business between 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And that was 36 people. And this number includes multiple people who passed multiple times. And again, this is Friday between 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. 36 people is a very small number uh, for two pounds per call. And here's why we actually lost such uh, big traffic. On a normal day, we have four kinds of customers. We have our residents here in DuPont Circle in the Georgetown. We have college students, and we also have office workers, commuters, and the hotel guests nearby. Uh, we used to have we used to do hours from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. and hotel guests coming early morning and late night. Uh, and our store in the afternoon, lots of college students uh, come between 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Now we have lost all those traffic, but our local residents, students, um, from our perspective, students are not likely to fully come back until next spring. And many office workers will definitely work from home until at least September. Hotel guests, especially conference goers, uh, I think they will disappear again until next year. And even for residents here, most of our customers are actually seniors, and they're naturally they're very concerned uh, with the overall COVID situation in the country. Therefore, even though the numbers here in D.C. can be quite low, some of our customers are still very not confident going out. We actually received messages from our uh, customers saying that they want to come to, to the support uh, to the store and support us, but they just don't want to go out, so they purchase uh, gift cards, something like that. So with this situation, we have huge financial challenges, and both in fixed cost and variable cost. Uh, our biggest fixed fixed cost is rent. That is simply one thing we cannot avoid every single month. And the second thing is that we have problem hiring people, uh, especially new hires, because we have people coming to the shop every day asking for a job. And every day we have to turn people away because with this economy, we cannot afford $15 per person per hour. We just can't afford any new hire. So like many others, we are in this survival mode. So to better get through this, we need help. We need all kinds of help, uh, for example, financial support for rent, hiring, or both. And I like to emphasize this is not just a one-time thing unless it's big enough because the length of support must be long enough uh, for particular business. We need support until the holiday season. And if, if the business doesn't pick up uh, this holiday season, I don't know what what will happen next year. 
And finally, as a business owner, I actually need more information on what customers or what people in DC are thinking these days, what kind of confidence they have about going out, uh, dining in a restaurant, or about outdoor seating. What exactly stopped them going out? What's the percentage? I want something like a consumer confidence index on a weekly basis so that we can be prepared for the week ahead. Otherwise, business owners like me, we're just navigating this thunderstorm with no information. We are actually blind. So I think this is something the city can actually help us, sending out maybe a weekly questionnaire, uh, find out what kind of percentage of people are worried about the COVID situation, what kind of worry they have, if it's either about sanitization or just about the crowd, um, at least some information for us to work on. So uh, yeah, that's uh, about our business, about the situation we're facing, our struggle, and the things that can help us to better get through this uh, COVID situation. Thank you very much. Well, Yuan, thank you very much for that. Let's, uh, let's jump into the, the next business. I'm going um, to ask and you're with us from uh, Shaw Tavern in 801. We're also the owner of uh, Mad Hatter, right? Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right, well, welcome. Yes. Thank you. Um, tell us about tell us about your uh, your businesses and your your engagement with the the main streets. And also, I'm interested in the, the types of support you've gotten so far during the uh, during the the pandemic. Well, thank you, Director Whitfield, and thank you, Deputy Mayor, for for hosting this discussion. Uh, I'm a partner in seven locations here in Washington D.C., and we have four other restaurant locations in Delaware. Um, it's been a pretty challenging several months, and uh, to put it lightly, as David said, April was probably the most challenging month, uh, as we were trying to, starting to get a full realization of this was going to be many months, not just uh, several weeks. Um, so it was kind of a mad dash for us to apply for everything that was out there in terms of loans, relief, grants. Um, and it was pretty challenging to, to, to get all of our businesses, to get all the information together. Um, it's a lot. And as we all remember, when it came to the PPP applications, the first round went away in probably was that like three or four days, it felt like. Uh, our bank, we, we banked with Eagle Bank, uh, and they weren't even equipped to be able to, to do it when the first round came about. So. Um, the second round came out, and thankfully we were able to, to get all of our applications in with our lender. Uh, we were approved, um, but then you've since seen a lot of the, the legislation has changed since then. Um, we're not able to amend our applications to reflect some of the changes which would have been more beneficial to, to businesses. Um, but we're, we're happy and fortunate that we were approved and we got that money. We also applied for EIDL uh, loans. And our position is to kind of sit on that and utilize those, fun, those funds um, for, for places where we feel like we're going to have a future um, and be able to apply that if the PPP money runs out and we're still, in, still trying to, um, you know, get through this period uh, as best we can. Uh, and we're also extremely grateful that the city has put forth grant programs uh, which we applied for 
um, and worked in coordination with RAMW. Um, they've been great. Um, and another factor for that has been Alex Padro, uh, who oversees Shaw's Main Streets, and that's where two of our locations, Shaw's Tavern and 801 Restaurant and Bar, um, are located. And he's been tremendous in providing information. He's been giving us calls and checking in to make, to make sure that we're informed um, and just uh, checking in to make sure he's giving us all the resources we need to be able to, to survive this. Oh, wow. All right, Eric, um, thanks, thanks for that. Let me, uh, let me go um, to, to Ferry. I think, Ferry, you're in, in Lover Park, and you have a, you're the owner of Sushi Zoli Kekiko. Let me um, tell us about your experience and, uh, and, and how you've been surviving uh, during this, this pandemic. Sorry, I was on. I was on mute. Um, thank you, Deputy Mayor and Director Whitfield, for having me uh, today. Uh, so my name is Ferry Huang um, of Sushi Keiko in Glover Park. Um, we are pretty new to Main Street program, um, which is just started, I believe. Later. And so far, it's been great. Uh, we have a, a close relationship with Kate, the, uh, ex the executive director, and the founders. Um, Gopher Park really, really uh, needed a main street because the businesses, they were not aligned and without it during COVID. So um, Kate has been uh, uh, very wonderful in, um, you know, basically checking, checking, in us, uh, checking in with us and uh, mostly like almost every week to uh, check how things are going and in terms of the um, the SBA uh, we are pretty fortunate that we got the PPV program even though um, we try to use our bank uh, Wells Fargo and um, I did not get any feedback from them uh, for I believe three months so I pretty much uh, to different lenders just to make sure somebody can help me out. So uh, finally, I got the PPP loan from Ready Capital, which is not local, and I got the loan from there. And we also applied for EIDL and approved for that, and we are using that um, loan and just sit that, uh, sit the money, um, you know, pretty much have it ready for an unexpected situation, and also help with the um, operational um, of, the, of, the, of the restaurant. And since um, pandemic, uh, we try to move or change our um, plan, uh, you know, from dining in, and we partner up with many third-party uh, vendors. You can name it Uber Eats, Caviar, uh, DoorDash, Grubhub. Uh, First, we have challenges with the, uh, the commission that they take, about 30%. And good thing the city was able to cut it down to 15%. And I'm pretty sure I think 15, it is still 15% now, uh, except the other uh, vendor, Easy Cater, they uh, believe they take uh, about 20%. So, uh, so far, I guess, 
we are um, we are kind of reluctant or hesitant to open dining in. The phase one is, um, you know, for DC is already happened. So we are still doing carry out and online order um, due to the, you know, the, the uncertainty of the situation of the COVID. So, and we're trying to uh, protect our employees as well. Um, so I believe, yeah, that's what we've been doing right now. Uh, one other thing is that DC have helped us with the, um, uh, through the uh, mainstream. They, I got the micro grant uh, from them. Uh, I was able to purchase the uh, contactless um, uh, POS system uh, to help with the, uh, you know, with the customer that wants to be uh, contact-free in paying their their food. So um, I think that's it from me. Thanks, Ferry. Um, let me take the ferry into to any restaurants that are listening because I've heard this from a few places. Um, the, the current law requires that the, the delivery services do not charge more than 15%. And if you are a restaurant that's paying more than 15% from your delivery fee, um, reach out to the Restaurant Association. Kathy Hollinger and I are in constant conversation about this, and they, they want to hear from you, and they will help advocate on your behalf. GSLBB can help, too. With, uh, Kathy Hollinger at the Restaurant Association has a team that can help make sure that you're not being overcharged by your, your restaurant, uh, um, by your delivery partners, I call them partners. Um, you know, a lot of the businesses that we may are talking about, a lot of the tough things that we talk about in the dirt meetings all the time, um, you know, ongoing expenses with rent, as we know, with diminishing sales and, and the, the challenges that businesses continue to face as we kind of look down the barrel of, you know, not knowing when this pandemic, you know, is going to end. I was saying to somebody recently that I'm not talking about new normal anymore, and I'm not talking about getting back to normal. I'm just talking about life now, right? And and I want to I want to ask each of you, you know, as you are sort of settling into this phase, have you know, have you all, you know done things in your business, what have you all been doing in your business models? I know that, you know, we, we talk about the, 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 the challenges as we kind of move from phase to phase, and I don't know if, if anyone of you want to talk about how you've maybe looked at your, your businesses a little differently as we think about kind of ongoing operations. I know, Eric, you've got seven businesses, so maybe you might, you might have a, a slightly broader perspective on that. Yeah, and uh, you know some of our business models um, we just know will not be successful or safe to operate. Um, you know, for places like Matt Hatter, we're, we're largely uh, volume based. Uh, we like to bring people to, together to to have a good time, and and Dupont is just very slow. And uh, Yun Han had mentioned that the foot traffic uh, on Connecticut Avenue, where three of our locations are. Uh, has been very low, uh, and we rely on people going to work, being at the office, um, colleges being back, tourists being back, hotels being filled. Um, for some of those places, we tried to open and do takeout delivery, and it didn't work. Um, it wasn't beneficial for us. In other locations where we have spots that are in more residential areas uh, with outdoor seating, Shaw's Tavern, 801 has a rooftop, 
Um, we've been successful to, to operate with limited operations, first starting with takeout and delivery, which was a great way to at least get some of our key staff back on payroll um, and get them back working again. And then as we've gone into phase one and phase two to expand operations, bring more people on. Um, the biggest thing for us, I think, is not necessarily driving revenue, but um, taking care of our staff and operating in a safe environment. Uh, and I think what we've seen that's happening across the country is we don't want that to happen in D.C. is where we go too quickly. Uh, we reopen too fast. And having a restaurant go backwards to, to change operations in our business model again is extremely difficult. We had to do that in Delaware uh, with the governor changing operations for Fourth of July weekend. All bars were forced to close back down. It was really tough because then you're having tough conversations with employees um, changing how you're doing sales, what product you're offering, and customers are confused. So I think D.C. is taking the right approach. We're just trying to, to get through this. We're thankful for the SBA uh, and our city officials reaching out and helping us get through this as best we can. I think we're all in this together, and um, you know, getting through it together is, I think, the only long-term solution. Um, and we're just trying to be smart and evaluate uh, with the information that we have. Have, you, have any of your uh, landlords, have any of you talked with about uh, help with the rent? That's been a conversation that any of you have uh, engaged in? Uh, for my restaurant, I've talked to my landlord and asked about uh, some sort of uh, rent relief. Uh, my a landlord owned uh, six different restaurants in D.C. as well, so he told me that he didn't get any relief, so he couldn't provide me any relief as well. That's the uh, challenges that I have uh, with the landlord. And um, I was thinking about more police, um, but I have not um, um, think what should I do in the, you know, in the next year or uh, for the future as far as modifying lease. Uh, we we were able to negotiate a, a rent decrease, temporary decrease with our building owner, uh, but it's not forever. So there will be a time in the future we have to renegotiate because at the beginning of the COVID, we never expected this can last. Uh, as long as it has right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's the situation. We will have another conversation about our rent uh, in the future. Yeah, and I'll just add that some landlords seem to understand and willing to share in the loss. Um, others, I will not mention names, but have not been as forgiving and are expecting full rent um, repayment. You know, the PPP program, the, chick, the, the change to 60-40 definitely helps with that conversation. Um, but for us, it's, for some places, it's not going to fully cover rent. And if you're completely closed and you don't have income uh, coming in, we're going to be short. And then what is the fall, winter going to look like if we're still uh, battling this without a vaccine? So I, I know Congress is going to try to put out a CARES 2 Act, um, hopefully at the end of the month. Um, but I think you've already started to see the effects of some landlords not coming off of the, their rent numbers, and a lot of places are starting to close, unfortunately. 
um, we hope that doesn't become extremely widespread uh, in DC for the next couple of months. I think the deputy mayor is going to go to some of the, the calls on the line, which is that um, we did do a joint session with the DC uh, Pro Bono Center that had a, a, a course on uh, lease negotiations, and that is available um, on the DC Pro Bono Law Center's website and also on the DSLBG website. I will also say for people that are in tough negotiations um, and conversations with their landlords, that currently the tenant court is closed. Just a piece of data. Tenant court is closed. You can't be evicted right now. Well, thank you to the business owners who joined us. I want to ask you to stay on the line as well because we have a few questions uh, uh, that we want to go to the phone line for. So we'll go to uh, the first question is Miles uh, in Ward 7 who had a question about the SBA 8A program. Miles, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. Hi, I'm uh, Miles Gray. My CBE is uh, Brands Build Culture DC. Um, we've recently pivoted and set up a hand sanitization uh, company um, based out of here in DC. So, um, two comments and a question. So, first, um, kudos to uh, you, Deputy Mayor uh, Falchicchio, um, and the mayor for piling us through, you know, a, a literally unprecedented time that has included a public health crisis, a military occupation, you know, things that we could have never imagined. I know there's a lot of criticism that goes towards your office, um, but thank you so much for the leadership that you and the mayor have provided. Um, Director Whitfield, um, same thing. Um, many kudos to you. I was one of the CBEs that got that direct phone call. Um, I was actually having a very low day that day, um, so that call from um, DSLBD, you know, definitely me hope and you know, kind of give me some strength to get up here and stand up this uh, company that we've uh, stood up here. Um, so coming towards uh, Deputy Mayor Falchicchio, I wonder if um, some thought could be put towards um, a digital version of Marion Berry's um, Summer Youth Employment Program, you know, something that was kind of retooled, um, you know, for our current moment. Um, there's a lot of smart people that are sitting at home, you know, underemployed or unemployed. So I think that using, you know, technology, uh, we can train, uh, get up and going, you know, help, uh, you know, kind of bridge that gap between, you know, now and wherever our future holds. Um, Director Whitfield, um, speaking to your uh, idea of companies pivoting, um, I think that a technological overlay, you know, maybe over, you know, how OTR and DCRA, I know those are not your, um, you know, departments per se, but um, just kind of a, a basic checklist of how you actually do start a business. You know, um, I think we make an assumption a lot of times uh, that people, you know, know the difference between federal and state taxes or know what an FR 500 form is or, you know, you know, know what these, how these things actually work. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, obviously need to start businesses in this time um, to kind of find a way, you know, to the future. So just maybe a simple checklist um, that's located somewhere where people could say, hey, okay, this is the first thing you do, you know, file your, um, for your IRS paperwork um, at the federal level. Um, you can file for your state uh, paperwork. Um, DC requires an FR 500, and you can take these articles of incorporation down to this local community bank, and you know from there you can open a bank account. And just kind of walk people through some of those basic things. Um, you know, almost similar to like the how the CBE program is set up. Um, in regards to the CBE um, program, 
Um, as we've been going after a lot of the hand sanitizer contracts um, nationally, a lot of the other states um, require um, or they ask you if you are a minority-owned business or a disadvantaged business, have you been certified? And, you know, a lot of the places that we give our D.C. certification, um, they don't accept it because there's no reciprocity between the states. So maybe if some thought could be put towards, you know, how, you know, um, you know, reciprocity could be given, you know, once you're certified at the uh, D.C. level um, in some of the national contracts. And then going into um, Mr. Hinkapi, um, you know, so first of all, thank you so much for coordinating, you know, uh, a fabulous program with the PPE and the EIDL. Um, most importantly, thank you all for making sure that the user experience and the computer interface is probably one of the best UI experiences I've ever had, you know, especially associated with, you know, something financial. Um, it, you know, the fact that that was such an easy process to go through digitally, you know, made a lot of difference. Um, and my question is to you regarding the SBA 8A program. Um, it seems like the program, as you're going through it, um, it asks questions, you know, like a P&L sheet, you know, uh, or a midterm uh, P&L sheet that is related to, you know, your current and your previous NIACS codes. And it's kind of like um, it doesn't feel, at least, that a lot of thought has been kind of put into the fact that a lot of businesses will be pivoting. And I was wondering, is there a way to maybe help expedite that process or streamline that, line that process or assign people, you know, technical coordinators that could help, uh, you know, folks like myself who are going after uh, federal procurement contracts? I've already gone through SAM.gov, already have my cage code, that sort of thing. Um, but to get that certification from, a, uh, um, from the SBA on 8A um, has been a little bit difficult because we've obviously pivoted, you know, from what we were doing before you know, into something that, you know, is a lot more relevant, you know, because my previous industry doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. Right. Okay. So, hmm, how do I answer this? Okay. So, first, let me go to something more fundamental. The 8A program is not a certification to help you get contracts program. Because from what you're saying, it seems like that's what you're thinking. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but the 8A program is a business development program that lasts nine years and is meant to help small business owners from socially and economically disadvantaged backgrounds become better business owners. The vehicle through which that is done is the 8A program, but the 8A program is not a guarantee of access to contracts. That is incidental. It's training for the business owner to become a better business owner. Now, while you're a small business, it's useful to have revenue, of course, and so being an 8A business doesn't really put you at the head of any line, just Incidentally, it makes it a little bit easier for you to get some kind of, some kinds of uh, non-competitive contracts because every agency in the federal government has targets: small businesses, women-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses, etc. So, when they want to award one of these contracts, we, we I've had these phone calls, right? We we need a you know they call me up. I get some, somebody from some federal agency, a small one, the National Park Service or something, 
and they say, we're looking for a um, Native American-owned business like in this field. Do you, do you know of one? I, I, I don't know. Right? You, can, you can go and look. But I tell them, well, check the 8A list of companies. That's how the 8A helps you. They're looking for small businesses so that they can meet their targets. So if you're, say, a contract specialist or contract officer and you need to satisfy these requirements somehow, you have to go out and find a small business that meets this uh, socioeconomic, that's in this socioeconomic category, the owners are in it. So you can just go out onto the economy and do a bunch of market research and spend weeks trying to find a firm, or you can just say, I'll take a shortcut. Let me go to the, let's see if the, any of the 8A firms meet this. That's how it works. But you see, that's incidental. That's not the main thrust of the 8A program. So just because you get 8A certified doesn't mean you're going to get a contract. You still have to do a whole lot of hustle. You have to do a whole lot of market research. You have to identify the agencies that want what you are selling. It's a lot of work. So it's not just about getting this. Now, as far as expediting this, no, there's no way to expedite it. As you can imagine, we are, I mean, we're having trouble hiring loan processors. We can't hire them fast enough to process the applications for the disaster loans. Um, and we haven't been authorized any money to hire more people to help expedite the 8A application that I know of. We've not seen any notice of that. As far as the pivoting, we nothing has changed. I'm, I'm sorry, there's no, there isn't a better answer, but n nothing has been altered. Um, you're now going to be in a new NAICS if you choose to do a new business. Um, that was the case before. There were business owners who said, wow, the bottom has fallen out of this, and so we're going to change over to this. Yet you're starting all, over almost from scratch with your business history. You've never worked in that field before not completely from scratch because they have business experience, having been in a different sector for 5 or 10 or 15 years. That's an unsatisfactory answer. I know it's not the one you want, uh, but it's the only honest one I have. Now, as far as something you mentioned earlier regarding uh, getting business owners to help, how you start a business, difference between federal and state taxes and local and all that good stuff, there was something I was going to bring up later, but I'll bring it up now. The SBA resource partners. We have four kinds of SBA branded, partially funded by the SBA resource partners. Small business development centers that are as old as the SBA, they go back to 1953, women's business centers, veterans business outreach centers, and the SCORE mentors. In DC, you have one of each. Well, the veterans business outreach center is in, for this area is in Springfield, Virginia. But there is a DC Women's Business Center, a DC SBDC at Howard University, and there's a SCORE chapter in the same building as the SBA. All of the business advice they have is free. And anyone can go. Uh, I gather from Eric uh, uh, what he said about himself, that he's a partner in several different businesses. He probably knows a lot about business. Uh, but it might be if he has to look for ways to pivot or if he has to get new information um, regarding the circumstances now, what are best practices for safety in this pandemic or anything like that, 
go check out the SBDC websites and see what they're doing. The Virginia SBDC in particular has a really good recovery resource website. You can go and find out from them if you don't already know it. Uh, the Women's Business Center in D.C., that's at the National um, Community uh, Resource Coalition or something like that, NCRC, they house the Women's Business Center. You can go there and get information. And there, there are the SCORE mentors. You go to SCORE.org, put in your zip code, and you'll find the local chapter. You can connect with one of the mentors. The SCORE mentors are all business owners who are retired or semi-retired. So they're people who've already walked your path for many years, and they might be able to give you some knowledge under these new circumstances. So, you know, the D.C. government, whatever it has, whatever it can provide, great. But don't forget, the SBA has these four kinds of resource partners that you can also go to as well. So, David, we have another question yeah. for you from Pam. Uh, Pam has a question about PPP uh, and the sliding mm -hmm. scale. So, uh, Pam? Hi. Hi, yes. Okay. Hi, David. It's Pam. Um, thank you very much. You're really helpful. I just have two quick questions about the PPP. Um, as I understand that if you spend less than 60% on payroll, you can still get part of it given on a sliding scale. Is that correct? Yep. That, is, that information is all on the forgiveness. Um, when you calculate the forgiveness amount, it's on the forgiveness application, which is on the SBA website. You go to sba.gov forward slash PPP. That's the page that has all the SBA PPP stuff. Look in the section on loan forgiveness. It has the application. There's the easy application and the other longer application. Uh, look and at both of them, and you'll see which one is appropriate for you. Okay, great. And then also, is there a cap that we can pay our employees and ourselves, the other, um, as long as it's under 100000 it doesn't matter how much we pay ourselves and our employees as long as we don't go above that cap for, for forgiveness for the PPP. Well, 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 the idea is that you pay them whatever you were paying them before. So I, I don't know why you need a cap. I don't understand. No, I'm wondering if we can pay them more than they we paid them before. Oh, if you can pay, pay them pay more. Them. Well, it's, the, the, it's silent on it. Yeah, I've had to, I had this question I remember about a month and a half ago when people were first getting them. Uh, or as people were beginning to get the loans funded, you know, they wanted to pay some of their people a kind of hazard pay. And I said, well, it's silent on, on that question. It doesn't say you can't pay them more. It just says if you want full forgiveness, don't pay them less unless they ask you. Remember earlier, unless they in writing ask you to pay me less because I have to stay home and take care of my kids, then you're okay. But, yeah, you can pay them more. Pam, thanks for those questions. Uh, next up, we'll go to Brian, who had a question about the earned income tax credit. Hello. Hey, Brian, we can hear you. Okay, how are you doing? Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, they were talking about, I have several employees that are under $50,000 a year um, who are D.C. residents, of course. And so you were mentioning some programs that they could apply for that, I'm just not aware of the PC Opportunity Account in particular, that savings program. Uh, and then the Earned Income Tax Credit, I'm assuming that's something that they do when they file their taxes every year, correct? Can we just get a little bit more information on how to empower our employees who may make, you know, these are W2 uh, employees who may make $150,000 a year that can take advantage of some of these project programs? And what's the best way to share it with them? 
Absolutely. Um, the earned income tax credit, you can easily go to the website, dceitc.com, I believe. Um, I'll check that out as I'm going through. But that is something that is available. Additionally, as individuals apply for their taxes, there is the earned income tax credit. That is the credit that is applied when you apply for your taxes. And so uh, many times people, if they do not have to file, if they're not required to file because of their current income level, they don't, they miss out on this credit. So you do have to file both federal and state in order to get the federal version as well as the D.C. version. There's also free tax preparation that is available. Um, Community Tax Aid is one of our partners that has been doing um, um, free um, taxes preparation, and you can also go to that website for additional information. And Michelle, on the Opportunity Accounts, the uh, website or where they can find information about the DC Opportunity Accounts? Yes, and just let me give a correction. I'm sorry, it was dceitc.org. I just had to look it up to make sure I had the right one. dceitc.org for earned income tax credit. And then you can also go to Opportunity Accounts. You can find out information about that program directly from our website, disb.dc.gov. Well, thank you for that. And uh, Christy, I wonder if any of our panelists have any parting thoughts uh, for uh, any of us here, for SBA, uh, to our panelists. Maybe a little advice or any, any thoughts that you might be thinking of as you're sort of going into this next phase of your business? Maybe we'll ask Eric to go first. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for us, it's stay positive, do everything you can to, to operate safely and efficiently as possible with what we're given right now. Um, and I guess we're just continue to, to reach out to uh, your ANCs, your um, Shaw Main Streets, DuPont Main Streets, and various different bids in terms of gathering information. I know Kathy Hollinger has been mentioned. She's been doing a terrific job through the Restaurant Association, giving us information on how to react. And, you know, as for us, it's thinking practically and being optimistic uh, at the same time and just hoping that, um, you know, six months, eight months down the road that we have a more favorable picture and just positioning ourselves now um, to be ready to take advantage of that as best as we possibly can. Uh, Johan? Uh, yes. Uh, well, we are staying very positive. Uh, and we're actually working with our main street, DuPont Circle Main Street here. Uh, we have this uh, meeting with all the business, small business owners here on Peace Street. Uh, we basically meet every single week to see if we can come up with new ideas uh, together collectively. Uh, to face the problems ahead because all the problems we face now uh, for all the business similar to us, restaurants, coffee uh, houses, tea shops, um, the, the problem we have is the same. Uh, we lost all the food traffic and they are unlikely to come back. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we're 
getting together, trying to figure out some information we can share uh, so that we can be prepared for the week or even months ahead. And uh, Johan, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Joy works in our office. Joy uh, works in Demped, uh, and she's going to have to uh, come up with a way to crack the code on creating a consumer confidence index uh, for this. So she may be reaching out to you uh, to talk through that idea that you had uh, for uh, our office. Uh, so we'll look out right. for that one, too. And why don't we go to Ferry uh, to give us kind of a final thought or piece of advice uh, for fellow business owners. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, we actually have a questionnaire made uh, with uh, Bill, the Executive Director of DuPont Circle Main Street. We have uh, eight or nine questions that we send out to reference here. Uh, and I think the questionnaire we've created can be uh, helpful in a way. Fantastic. We'll, we'll follow up with you to get that uh, uh, through the Main Street. Thank you. Thank you. And why don't we go to Perry for the final thought or parting advice? Oh yeah, um, I think we have a pretty good uh, support system in DC. Um, there are a lot of information out there um, that we just need to, uh, you know, dig into, and uh, contact with your local uh, business associates, such as Main Street, especially. Uh, they are, um, they are, they have that all those resources that you you, you can find out, and uh, stay positive. I guess um, since we don't know. Uh, you know what the future will be, but uh, as business owners, and we just need to cre uh, keep pressing forward. Definitely. Well, I want to thank uh, Christy, Michelle, David, but uh, especially our business owners uh, who joined us today. Thank you for sharing your stories, uh, and I hope it does serve as an inspiration for those watching. Uh, we want to thank everybody for watching. Again, uh, we've got a lot of information on coronavirus.dc.gov, uh, which has our resources about. Uh, not just our response effort and uh, what we're doing to make sure that we flatten the curve, but also about the recovery as well. Uh, so check out coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, we'll regularly update that. Uh, but thanks again to Christy uh, for joining me today uh, to really uh, have a fantastic conversation with all the panelists, David, Michelle, and the business owners as well. And thank you to those who called in uh, with your questions and comments. Uh, we'll uh, look to join you again uh, in the coming days and weeks ahead. Uh, but for now, please continue to check out coronavirus.dc.gov, and thanks again for joining.